Thank you for joining the Leadership Podcast with Sim Dendy. It's great to have you here and be joined each episode with some inspirational leaders that I know will help you in your leadership. Leadership is not just about gaining a position or a title, but about carrying responsibility for a group of people to help achieve an outcome. Sometimes that's for years, sometimes only for a moment. The Bible says in Romans 12, if God has given you leadership ability to take that responsibility seriously. I want to encourage you to invest in your leadership, become the best you can be, to work hard when no one is looking, to not wait until you have a platform or a spotlight, but to lead through service, leading your thinking, leading your prayers, leading your attitude, to take the gift of leadership seriously and sharpen yourself ready for action. Today's guest is Steve Upple, a man of sharpness and action and passionate about revival. He's married to Esther, they've got four children, and he's a senior leader of the All Nations Movement, which is a growing family of churches and ministries. Together, Steve and Esther lead All Nations Church in Wolverhampton, and Steve has authored a number of books and featured on daily programs on UCB radio, as well as several TV shows. A large chunk of his time is spent traveling and speaking in different places around the world, and Steve seeks to use social media as a platform to inspire, provoke, and give insight to doing life well. I love that phrase. He believes that a healthy life is one that takes into account spiritual, physical, and relational health and lives it out fully. Thank you so much for joining me today, Steve. Yeah, Sim, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's a delight to be with you. Thank you, sir. Now, before we get into some stuff, because there's some meaty things I want to get to, let's have some fun with, uh, first of all, your family. When I first met you, Steve, it was with all your family. You, you were like a sort of gang that you would just yeah. sort of like go round. I think we were at Spring Harvest together and you would just like be this group that if one of you were there, they were all there. Is that, is that fair to say the Apple kind of <laughs> cohort? I, I think it's very fair. I, I think our kids have always been strange. They kind of <laughs> love hanging around with mom and dad and each other. Um, but yeah, that's still true today. Yeah. Because, you know, that was a few years ago and they're now growing up. One's married, your granddad now as well. And um, so, so it's changed. You've got some at home, some away. How's the gang doing? Um, I, I, Esther and I reflected on that a little bit earlier this year. And we would say the highlight of our lives, hands down, is just to have seen our kids grow. Uh, that they love each other. They love the Lord. They're all serving God in different ways. Um, but on fire and we're just watching him outworking his purpose through them so they're all doing really well it is a different season of life um, but over the next few weeks all of us are going to be together and just enjoying each other's company so we still get moments to be in the same spaces even though people are spread out with university and work yeah wonderful now i know something apart from family is important to you and obviously your faith um you've often when i've talked to you you've often talked about health as being really important for you Health is not just a spiritual mindset. It's not just about reading the word of God and prayer, but it's also about what you do with your body and what you put in your body. And and not only do you talk about it, you put it onto a TV show, TBN, uh, the Healthy Life Program. I think you did that a few couple of years ago yeah. now. But tell us about health and why is that so important to you? And why is it as a leader, is it important to be healthy? Uh, we could go off on a tangent here, Sim, so I'll try <laughs> and keep it brief. Uh, when uh, I'll give you one verse out of Sa uh, Samson's story, when his parents were told they were going to have a baby, um, Manoah, the father, asked an angel that gave the visitation and the prophecy, you're going to have a baby. He asked the question, what's to be the boy's manner of life and what will be his mission in life? Hmm. I read that in 2016 in the ESV and it put into context everything I'm doing, which is, 
if you don't have the right manner of life, it can sabotage your mission in life. If you get the right manner of life or rhythm of life, it can empower and accelerate your mission in life. But for most people in the West, they don't ask what's the rule of my life or the rhythm of my life or the manner of my life. They actually ask what's my mission in life. But if you don't marry it with a manner of life, you could lose your mission in life. And for me, that manner of the, the kind of the manner of life is spiritual life. It's your physical health. It's your relational health. And it's your financial. You could add more, but I think all of those are a great place to start. And um, years ago, 2006, I met uh, an evangelist who's now gone to be with the Lord. He was 84 at the time and had pioneered like mass crusades in the late 40s and 50s, 60s, um, seen people raised from the dead and been involved in the early healing movement in the 50s in the States. And he said to me, he said when he was 30 years old, he made a commitment to get healthy, exercise every day and to eat healthy because he watched healing evangelists who were dying in their late 40s and 50s because of bad diet, um, no exercise, eating late, and they were dying of diabetes, strokes, and heart attacks, all preventable. And at 30 years old, he made the decision, I don't want to die before my time. Now, I'm adding this, your best years might just be somewhere between 60 and 80, you're wiser. You've been around the block a few times. You've got a lot to give to the next generation. And yet, if we spend those years broke, relationally corrupted, or health-wise, you know, in major challenges, we might waste our most fruitful period of our lives. And so Esther and I, I mean, we've been out this morning. We've been to the gym. Um, we're very careful what we eat. We have a, a pretty good rhythm of fasting um, because both for spiritual reasons, but for health reasons. So that tells you the why, but I'm not telling you necessarily the how, but they, they can watch that healthy life stuff. It's it's on our own website as well now on anstorehouse.org. It's on there as a free e-course and people can access that and watch it. Wow. Steve, we can stop there. I think the whole thing about, you know, you, 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 people get sidetracked by their mission or I think maybe it's, is it a Western world thing? Do you think the whole outcome focus, as long as we can get the result, the how we get that doesn't really matter? You know, I can buy I, I my... I think it's, it's definitely a big issue today. Comparison, looking at others, aiming for the fruit without paying attention to the roots. Um, but I actually think it's a centuries-old problem. Um, people like platforms, people like results... Um, they're like accolades. If we're not secure in who we are, we need the affirmation of other people. That makes us driven. So I think you've got to work really way back uh, and, and allow the Lord to examine our hearts, see why we're doing what we're doing, what motivates us. Um, but definitely that that phrase from Manoa resonates with me even to today. What should be the boy's manner of life and what will be his mission in life? Yeah. That's really good. I notice, Steve, you know, you've got a whole bunch of books you've written and there's probably a similar thread running throughout. I think, you know, the word revival probably crops up more than once. Um, you know, looking at the titles here, just, you know, rouse the warriors, burning ones, your new one, revival ready, highly flammable. Uh, fire and revival are definitely sort of, would you say they're kind of key languages or kind of phrases you use or kind of a world you move in? I think um, I remember holding the four books when they were written before the fifth one was 
I'm thinking, I wonder what this says about the author. It sounds a bit aggressive. <laughs> um, and it wasn't intentional when we started to write them or I started to write them. What I think, I actually think you've only got one life and you may as well live it to its full. This is not a dress rehearsal. And so, you know, living all out wholehearted, uh, fully devoted to Christ. Uh, Jesus doesn't fit inside of a nice Western middle-class life. He actually comes for a complete takeover. And I think those books are all inviting the reader onto a journey of wholehearted devotion to Christ and, and hitting it from different angles. Um, and so, yeah, I, I guess I'm, 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 I've, I would say I'm born for a revival. I want to burn with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I want to invite other people to come on that journey with me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. To even hear you talk, it reminds me of that John Wesley phrase, you know, I set myself on fire so people can come and watch me burn, uh, which I can always think can get misunderstood. But the idea that if you get yourself ready, uh, what could gather around uh, that, that passion? I, I love that, Steve. Now, I didn't invite you onto the podcast because uh, you've got a great family, which you do, or you're healthy, which you are, or you've written loads of books, which you have. I really asked you on here because you're doing something with your church that I think other leaders need to hear about because what I know of you as a person and the way you're leading your church, I would just love people to hear a bit more about that because I think you're pushing against something which we've all got a bit you know, stuck in and you're trying to find fresh ways of doing things. And to give us a bit of context, could you help us by setting us up and you know, two, three years ago, pre-pandemic, what was All Nations Church in Wolverhampton? What did it look like? Because it looked like a really good church. It had diversity. It was multi-congregational. It was, you know, very many different languages spoken. Tell us a bit more about the church that you were leading in that season before we start talking about the now. Yeah, I've been here in Wolverhampton and at All Nations for 30 years, 20 years in senior leadership, the previous 10 years in the 90s, youth pastor, elder, associate minister, and then in 2001, I was invited to take on the senior leadership. So I've been here a while and seen a lot of changes and stuff happen. And pre-COVID 2016, we'd built a thousand-seater auditorium. We'd retained our old buildings. They're all next to each other. We're city centre location. And we'd, we'd decided to go down a multi-site model. So we had campuses around um, anywhere from kind of a 35-minute drive away to a 20-minute drive away, 40-minute drive away, something like that. And um, I guess I thought I'd found my lane and I'm in it and just work it hard and make it grow, made our mistakes, and I learned from them those mistakes and do better as you move forward. Uh, so that's what we were, multicultural, 53 different nationalities, a Punjabi congregation, Mandarin congregation as well. Um, so, yeah, that's just pre-pandemic. And some of those things are still there. We're very multicultural and um, we still have a, a two, those two language-specific congregations as part of what we're doing as well. So not everything has shifted, but I, I would say, and I'll let you lead me into this, but fundamentally our approach to ministry and our understanding of what we're called to do has gone through a massive paradigm shift. Mm. Because talk to us about that, because I think, you know, most Western churches pre-pandemic, we were all about Sunday services. We were, you know, Sunday focused. You know, we probably run youth groups and and maybe multi-site, like you say, the campuses, site pastors, campus pastors. And the structures were getting fairly, you know, we'd probably watch some of the American model and we'd replant it over here. And we kind of had a 
plan we knew how to i knew how to work it you know how to work it and we just kind of thought this is the this is how it runs this is how church goes and then the pandemic hit we went online and you did the same i watched some of your stuff in the early days trying to learn from everybody going what do we do but then something shifted for you because there was something different you went we're not going to carry on we're not looking to go back to normal um you started asking some very difficult questions about what you were becoming both as a person as a leader and also as a church yeah i guess um i'll I'll take one step back november 2019 the lord told me very clearly after a weekend of ministry you're about to go through a season of significant unlearning so that was one thing which would tell me there's some things i think i know that are incorrect so Uh, And really, it was talking about paradigms shifting, a fundamental change in approach. Uh, My assumptions are going to be challenged. This is me reflecting on that word uh, uh, later on now, not in the immediate. In in May 21, same conversation. Now, the Lord said a lot of things in between 2019 and 21. But in May 21, I kind of heard this phrase in my heart. And now you're about to go through a season of personal change and you will never be the same again. And, and really, the last 15 months, that's been happening. So one is changing my ideas, my presuppositions, my assumptions, um, the paradigm of ideas that kind of formulate what I do and how I do it. One's changing my mind. And then the other word was around, I'm going to change you as a person. I think that's important to know, because before we kind of challenge or I go through the challenge of why, why church may need to change, I think God is more interested in changing individuals than he is in the whole church. And it's only as individuals change can other change uh, be outworked. So to go back to your question, I'd answer it by saying in April 2020, I, I, I clearly heard the Lord say this. And if any of you listeners are thinking he does say a lot, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said, I, I believe we serve a relational God who's a speaking God. And when Jesus left, he said he would not leave us as orphans, but he would give us the Holy Spirit. So I'm I'm absolutely convinced we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and we should be in dialogue with him. We have a Bible that speaks to us every day. We have the gifts of the Spirit in operation. There are angels sent to minister. So I think it's probably a sign of a, a cold heart when we can't point to a recent time when the Lord is speaking. So anyway, that's just trying to uh, tell you why I... The Lord has spoken really, but I felt him in a prayer time say to me in April 2020, um, the, the church is not fit for purpose. And he gave me four reasons why. You're too personality driven. You're too platform oriented. You're Sunday centric and you produce consumers. That's a pretty wild wake up call. Um and, and I, the challenge in it for me from the Lord was you're not making disciples. Instead, you produce consumers. I, I kind of in my head wanted to fight back. And I'm like, I preach the Great Commission. We go to lots of nations on mission. We've planted stuff in other nations. We're planting. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to rebuff back against the Lord what he's saying to me. And then I kind of get this. He comes back at me and says so. And I started to think about how we plan. We make sure that the Sunday service is at a convenient time, not too early, not too late. You want people to feel like they don't have to get up too early, but it's not taking up too much of their Sunday. We'll help you park. We'll make sure the kids' work is you know, going to be attractive. Because if we get your kids in, we get you. 
and um, we'll make sure that the service length is good. The worship, we want it meaningful. We don't want it crazy Pentecostal meaningful. We just want it meaningful, authentic. And I realized all of that thinking is about getting consumers to buy into the product that we're selling. And then we get them in the building and we want to turn them into, we think we can turn them into wild, radical, surrendered followers of Christ. And it's not going to happen. And, and I actually heard the Lord saying, your current structures and practices have hindered disciple making and church planting. So that was the very rude awakening in April 2020. That after all my years of effort, everything we've been doing, the Lord is saying, you're not obeying the Great Commission. The church isn't fit for purpose. It's full of consumers, not disciples. I'll pause there. <laughs> oh, no, don't pause there. I okay, so, so we're, we're articulating a, a problem. I think um, I had some very similar, I didn't, don't think I can articulate them as well as you did, but the, the feeling when I was preaching to a camera in lockdown going, is this what it's become that people watch? They watch a service, they watch a presentation, a performance. And and then I reflected and went, they've always done that. They always watched the platform, they watched the speaker, they listened to the speaker, they came and they observed and they went away again. And for me, lockdown exaggerated what was already there that we were starting to create, like you say, consumers, not disciples, people to go and give me what I need so we can make it, wrap it up so it's nice and it's cost effective, it's time effective you know, bite-sized, um, and I totally, and I don't think you're alone in that sort of sense, but many people have had a similar feeling, and maybe even God spoke to numerous leaders in a similar way, but not everyone's responded like you have. Tell us a bit about what you put into place, having grappled with God's word, and I love the fact you try to push back. I think I've definitely done that more more times, um, but what did you put into place, Steve? What, what went, okay, that's not just hear the word and move on what what did all nations become what did you become what do you and esther your conversations start to shape so I, again i would say i mean we probably need like three hours on this um most people in the last two years when i speak about what we're doing want to jump towards um so what does it look like and what does your leadership pipeline look like and if you're planting smaller communities how do you train them? What does children's work look like? What does safeguarding look like? Do you collect all the tithes and offerings? And, and I, I actually think looking towards the model is the wrong starting point. I think changing the model and changing the approach will end in the same results we've had as before if we don't go through a fundamental spiritual DNA shift. And, and so I think there's two parts to the journey. One is wrestling with what did the Lord ask us to do? And I, I've been, um, I, I, I really don't have time. So I'm trying to think, I don't go through this in its whole detail. But in January 21, um, while we were praying, I saw five words in my mind's eye, stop, reset, recalibrate, release and run. And it helped me put into a grid, really a 10 year time frame, which I didn't understand that at the time. But the more we prayed into it, pondered it, journaled it, discussed it, we've realized the Lord was giving us a, a, a kind of a skeleton of what we're going through. The stop, this hard reset, the stop was a listen and pay attention to what the Lord is saying and what he's asking from us. Um, I, I'd include ourselves in this, but I think the church is lukewarm, half-hearted, mediocre, 
Um, it's um, comfortable with materialism, entertainment, and it just sees no problem with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And if we want to add into that a new model of church and think it will grow our churches, we will be in, uh, another rude awakening again. So, so the Lord gave us a stop so that we would hear him, hear where we're up to. And 16 times in the New Testament, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So that has to come first. What is God saying? Why is he saying it? And where am I in response to what he's saying? Secondly, the word reset, We, I kind of heard the Lord say this really clearly, and I use the example of my phone. I think you just used this in conversation with me about rebooting a laptop or a computer. But if you've got a glitchy phone, you take it into the shop, you sometimes hear these words, we have to do a hard factory reset. You will lose all of your personal preferences and the phone will be reset back to manufacturer's original mm. settings. Mm. And I think the reset that the church has been invited into by the Holy Spirit is to lose our personal preferences because it's made us glitchy, unfruitful. We're not functioning how we should be. And then the Lord wants to reset us back to manufacturers or creators original design. And I think that's what we have to wrestle with. So rather than get somebody's idea on that, which I'm, we're willing to help anybody, you know, we run huddles, we coach and mentor, we'll journey with anybody, but there's no um, shortcut for going on the journey with God for an individual, a church, a leadership team. They will have to do that. Um, I remember maybe about six months ago, I was going to do a talk for a group uh, that wanted me to share some of what we're doing. And I've got it all succinctly laid out. And I thought I can help them now. And I felt the Lord saying to me, you can give them an invitation, but unless they embrace prayer, fasting, wrestling with the Gospels and the Book of Acts and what the creator's original mandate was, Instead of seeing it through the lens of 2,000 years of church history or 50 years of church in the way that we've known it, we've got to, I felt the Lord took my glasses off and said, read the Bible with my lenses on, without your presuppositions. And so I think the reset takes us back to, and I'll give you some headlines here, it's obedience to the Great Commission. I think it's an absolutely surrendered life to Christ. Um, I think we measure ourselves in the light in the light of eternity. So disciple making, church planting, organic viral multiplication should be the result. But we've got to change our systems from being bureaucratic, centrally controlled to be far more fivefold, apostolic, prophetic, um, empowering of people, preparing, equipping and releasing. It's easy to say that and nobody would disagree with it. I don't think um, it's the outworking of it. That's the issue. We believe in the priesthood of all believers, but in practice, we don't. We believe in it theologically, but in practice, most people want somebody still to pastor them, somebody still to visit them, somebody still to preach a good word on Sunday, some a decent worship team for them. And they'll make their choices about where they go based on that, not based on how well can I serve the Lord and what is he saying to me? And actually, the five ministry gifts are given 
to prepare God's people for works of service. So I think we're in the midst of a massive reforming, reshaping of the church. And there's no shortcut. We have to wrestle those truths through. What is he asking from us? And none of these are exciting and people won't probably want to do them. But in the last two and a half years, we've fasted more. We've prayed more. We've slept less. We've turned the TV off. I'm like, if I've got one run at this thing and I'm almost 50, I do not want to stand before the beamer seat of Christ and realize I was playing the wrong game. Even if I win, if I was playing the wrong game and I, and I win, I still lose. Hmm. And I think there's a lot of people comparing themselves with others, playing the wrong game and doing really well. But it's the, they're on the wrong board and they need to shift over to the creator's original design. Um, so anyway, that's some of it. Stop, reset, the recalibrate. And I'll finish with this one, even though there's five. Is I felt the Lord challenged me. How do you measure success? Re, uh, when you calibrate something, it's the correct standard of measure. And so recalibration means we no longer measure on the size of your building or the size of the congregation, or the size of the personality leading this thing. How many followers? How charismatic are they? How much money is in the bank? None of those are measures that show success. You could, I could have a big building, lots of money, lots of people. I mean, there are sports uh, companies or clubs that do that. There are cinemas that have that money budgets, crowds, they're not a measure of success. And I, I thought the Lord saying, measure yourself according to my word. Are you obeying what I've said? Measure yourself according to the teachings of Christ. Are you and your community obeying? Uh, do you look like the eight characteristics in the Beatitudes? Is the nine fruit of the spirit evident amongst you? Do your people know the commands of Christ? And not only know them, but do they obey them? Does it matter? Someone like, did he really give commands? Yes, he did, over 100 of them. Do we obey them? Do we know them? Um, if we look at the early church and then we look at ourselves, uh, are, is that same life there? Are we measuring ourselves in according to the light of eternity, the lordship of Christ? I mean, I could go on. I just felt the Lord saying, you've measured yourself, Steve, wrong. You've measured yourself by the church in the city that you're a bit better than, or you measure yourself by somebody else and or the budget's good, so the board are happy. And, and the Lord's saying, none of that matters to me. I can bring you money in the moment. I can bring you people from the other side of the world. Um, but you are measuring using the wrong standards, and he wants to change it. So before we move to kind of the practical outworking, we were a multi-campus church, and now we're a whatever that is. I think there's a spiritual DNA shift. And in the book Esther and I released in October, Revival Ready, that book is primarily around how to make that DNA shift as an individual couple and as churches. I think that has to precede the model of church that we are going to build um, based on that, if that makes sense. Sorry to take so long. No, this is this is great because I think what, if I can put some words back at you, you know, you, you're almost putting there that actually it's about us as individuals before it becomes us as a corporate entity that rather than going what's the structure what's the website address what's the building look like we ratchet it right back and say well what are you like and who are you in relationship to your father god rather than what's this corporate thing i've signed up to is that would that be a kind of fair almost you're you're, you're, you're almost stripping back all the layers and pointing at the individual which is uncomfortable 
yeah. as leaders and as individuals. I, I, I think the challenge for many of us as leaders is we've become CEOs, mm-hmm. we've become consultants and strategists. We used to be called men and women of God. Mm-hmm. We used to be referred to as those who know the voice of God, those who walk in the fear of the Lord. We used to be known as men and women of prayer. And and actually, I think prayer has been squeezed out for strategy. One more call, a little bit more leadership kind of skills and administration. And, and those who know what it is to be on their knees, to know what it is to hear the voice of God. Um, I mean, one of the fundamental shifts for us is rather. And, and if, if I went on to the word release, that's the fourth word in the five. We actually in that there is something around divine strategy. And so I'm not against leadership or strategy, but it must come second or third place to a man or a woman of God, uh, absolutely knowing what it is to walk with God, grow their grace that God's given the anointing, the unction, whatever we want to call it. We don't even use those words anymore. Paul referred to it all the time, the grace that he carried, the grace he gave to others, the grace that held them steady because he prayed for them. Most of our leaders don't know how to hold their congregation steady in the place of prayer or fasting. But really, we've, we've lost the ability to build spiritually and we've turned. We, I, I don't know why we don't think it's strange that our leadership conferences have people preaching at them who are not followers of Christ. Hmm. And they're telling you how to build something quickly uh, based on systems and processes they've built in the world. And I'm not saying I can't learn from them. I, I like life hacks. I like life skills. I live by habit and routine. They're all helpful. And we're not throwing everything out. But it cannot. You can't put the cart before the horse. We are children of God in a kingdom with a king. He's a speaking God who's deeply relational. And he uses spiritual men and women who have deep roots and they, in their spirituality, will be able to shift things in a region. Now, some people have a grace for a town, some for an area in a town, some for a region. You, you can't decide what, how much grace you have, but you can walk to the full measure of the grace. And you may be given more because if you're faithful with small, you're given greater. And so I, I don't know if that if I'm saying that strong enough, that what you're saying, that it starts with me, starts with the individual and then to the community. It's the shift from a very Western temporal mindset to a deeply eternal spiritual mindset that remembers you shift things in the spirit before you ever shift them in the natural and what you see in the natural. Again, I, I could go off on tangent. Isaiah 11, 2. Is, is a prophecy about Jesus. The spirit of the Lord will be on him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Seven attributes of the Holy Spirit on Jesus. But then verse three says, and he will not make a decision based on what his eyes see, and he will not make a judgment based on what his ears hear. I thought that's interesting. He's filled with the spirit with these seven attributes of the Holy Spirit. And I could talk into each of those because I'm passionate about them. But that now causes them, they become his lens. He no longer makes decisions based on, I heard this, I better send an email. Oh, I've seen what's happening there. I can deal with that. No, he's full of the spirit and he's making his decisions based on how the spirit leads him. 
I think the Lord wants that restored to his church again. Steve, I mean, there's, there's so much I want to push into there because I'm thinking those people listening today, and if you're still listening to this, you'll be like, you're probably akin with what Steve's sharing. You're probably hearing this and going, yeah, I resonate. I resonate with what I'm sensing because it is of the spirit. But I know what will happen straight away. And you taught this beforehand about the push, the pragmatic. There'll be someone going, yes, but I've got a board of trustees that ask questions. I've got a budget to fulfill. I've got staffing to take care of. I've got expectations of parents who want their children looked after in a safe and certain way and there'll be these bunches of voices that come flying back at what seems like a a kind of a a well thought through you know you've obviously gone through and experienced it but there must be loads of questions you had as well as other people had of you Um, and I know we haven't got time to go through all of those but are there some key things you think actually we had to take a breath on that and go that's not the most important thing right now what are some of the pushbacks you received from those around you and what was your response to that? So I would say there was lots of pushback. I don't think I compromised anything. And somebody said to me early on, "Why? what's making you do this? You're risking income. You're risking your reputation. You could lose your finances coming in. People could leave, and they did leave, and finances did go down. And I, I, my, my answer to the, I had it asked of me four or five times in 21, what motivates you to do what you're doing when it's so risky? I said, I'm more afraid of standing before Jesus than I am before a board. Um, then I, I, I know he's loving and I know he's gracious, but to any one of us, whether we're given one talent, uh, five talents, 10 talents, it doesn't matter what we're given. To everybody who's been given something, He will ask you, what did you do with it? And I can't say to him on that day, well, I had to meet the board's requirements, or if I'd obeyed you, we we wouldn't have made budget. I'd rather fail the budget and meet the requirements of the Lord. Now, Hmm. having said that, I would, and and that stands true, people might be saying, well, where do I start? What's the next step for me? I definitely wouldn't encourage you to scrap anything you're doing. I'm not asking you to adopt a particular model. I am saying, and I'll ask the question, is Jesus Lord? Hmm. Are you serving him? Um, Are you wanting to please him? They're good questions to ask of ourselves. Does what he commanded us in scripture to do matter? And does it shape my responses and decisions and leadership meetings? Hmm. Am I willing to take those biblical texts into a board meeting? into a leadership meeting it's uncomfortable i might get pushback am i willing to change my prayer life so it becomes meaningful that i'm going to hear god's voice i i'm honestly sim if we had time i could give you so many examples i asked him for something in the last two years and he gave it to me um i i asked for wisdom he gave me wisdom i asked him for understanding he gave me understanding i asked him for help in dealing with people and he gave me the grace to be able to withstand either the pain or the pressure or pull people in. And, and the encouraging side of our story is in the last six months, we've had so many families joining us from family moved in from New Zealand. Another family moved from London to Wolverhampton. Another one from Paul in Dorset to Wolverhampton. There are families in our region moving into Wolverhampton. And all because when a leader becomes spiritual, stands up to full height, the grace they carry becomes attractive to other people. And you're now building according to God's pattern. And he'll say, 
I can trust you with people. I'll bring you the right people. Not a crowd, but living stones that you can work with and build with. So measure in the light of eternity and then ask those questions I've just mentioned. And, and it might help people to read that Revival Ready book. Um, it's on Amazon. It's on our website as well, Audio Kindle, all of that. But it's really, we felt the Lord said, write it down so people can read it and at least come on the journey of the spiritual shift on the inside. Thank you so much, Steve. I know, like you say, there's, there's hours of conversation we could have here and and probably a whole series of, of conversations. Go on then. I, I, I won't give it, but I'll whet people's appetite. We are now, I would say, we're an apostolic house that's planting missional communities throughout our region rather than one big location or even smaller campuses. We're trying to empower the body to be released to do what they're called to do. And I think the future move of God is going to be in the hands of lay leaders not in the hands of paid leaders, though there'll always be a need for paid leaders and we will have them, their role will change as they release the body to do what they do. Mm. So that's just to whet people's appetite a little bit of what we are yeah. moving into. And, and, and I think that's like you, you're reflecting the early church. That was this movement of everyday normal people opening up their homes and, and doing the Great Commission on a daily basis. Steve, thank you so much for being part of this. Uh, if people want to find out more, where can they go to get more information about your books and other materials? Uh, allnationsmovement.org. Okay, so you go to allnationsmovement.org. You can find stuff there. Steve's books, his latest one, um, uh, uh, Revival. Um, sorry, no, it's Revival Ready. Is, is the phrase so yep. that's it. google that up on amazon or wherever you get your books from revival ready and and let's make sure we're church that revival ready steve thank you so much for being with us on today's leadership podcast hey, thank you sim it's been my pleasure and thank you everyone for listening to the podcast if you have enjoyed conversation today with steve please do get in touch we'd love to hear from you and go listen to his podcast he's got his own podcast revival podcast share it on social media and until next time goodbye and thanks for joining us